Good day, brothers and sisters. I hope you're doing fantastic today. Remember, God is great every day in every way. Here is the second part of the Philip Klein discusses 2020 election fraud and who participated. This is the second of two recordings. Please go back and listen to the other recording that was prior to this. I apologize for them being spaced out so much, but uh, <clears throat> had a lot of other content to post and uh, just now getting to it. So here it is. In China, they are much further along. They have social codes. By every act that a citizen engages in, in one of these devices, they rate them. And their rating determines whether they can go to college, whether they can travel, what type of job they might have, or whether they're fired from their current job. Do you see the parallels in America today? Do you see that assault on individual liberty? Do you see the secularists building their utopia with dystopian principles to control your thought, to direct your thinking, and to cause you to have and cower in fear? It happened in our election. Our election was not conducted by government. In the urban core, our election was conducted by a shadow government of nonprofits and was the fruits of over 15 years of Democrat planning or leftist planning. In politics, nothing happens by accident. If it happens, you can bet it was planned that way. I'd really say that this occurred. How do I do it? There we go. This occurred over 25 years. In 1995, Congress passed campaign finance reform. And that campaign finance reform, in short, wasn't really reformed. It depowered political parties. So political parties could not impact an election as much as before. And that meant that political parties and their platform were not as important to candidates. And it moved all the money to what's called dark money, where corporate oligarchs and billionaires can direct unlimited amounts of money to affect the elections. And that campaign finance reform was supported and helped written by George Soros, in conjunction with a man named Harold Ickes, who was deputy chief of staff to Bill Clinton. And immediately after that bill passed, the left started setting up really scores of nonprofits and what's called 527 dark money organizations to start controlling the recruitment and the election of candidates on the left and eventually our elections as a nation. I want to first mention the machines before I go on with this track and you heard Mr. Bush speak here earlier. Mr. Bush provided you various poll numbers that he claims were indicative of the election result. And I've just got to tell you, the poll numbers were wildly off in predicting the election. And you can't rely on them to prove or disprove any type of fraud. I'll also challenge Mr. Bush in this regard. We are not in an election contest. Right now, we are people trying to hold our government accountable for how they manage the election. These election officials are elected by you or appointed by people you elected. 
And it stuns me that I have people telling me it undermines democracy for me in a democracy to challenge my government's performance. They have the burden of stepping forward and proving that they followed the law so that we can get our elections right. This is not about winning a battle in court right now. It's about whether our government will abide by the law in the actions that it takes. And this election, it did not. There is admitted lawlessness. And I will walk you through some of that. Now, first on the machines. If you go back to 2017, the left was the one who was claiming that the machines can be hacked and are insecure. I can give you videos from CNN, articles from the New York Times, MSNBC, all of those groups. The impeachment manager of the second impeachment of President Trump in 2019 warned the nation about how the machines were vulnerable to digital manipulation. These machines are used at what a, a gathering called DEFCON every year in Vegas by hackers to test and whether the machines can be hacked. And guess what? It is so easy now that they have high schoolers hack the machines. In Michigan, a professor by the name of J. Alex Halderman got his students to conduct a test. Washington, D.C. was saying, we have unhackable elections. We will challenge you to hack them. So he challenged his students. And when people went and voted in the mock election in Washington, D.C., as they picked their candidate, the machine played the Michigan fight song. The common software used on the machines is by a company called Seidel. They're out of Barcelona, Spain. Just Google. By the way, Google will keep track of this, so watch out. But Google Seidel in Switzerland, and you'll see that this, the government kicked them out of Switzerland because they found a trapdoor where the election results can be manipulated. The concern is real. But I have to mention, I have not seen any proof of an external hack of this election. And I've reviewed it all. Instead, what I've seen is what I would expect to see. Our election results on election night are aggregated on the cloud, Amazon World Services. So they are uploaded on the cloud. And what is uploaded on the cloud can be brought down from the cloud. And that's how media and foreign governments keep track of what's happening in American elections. And all I've seen is that general traffic that you would expect to occur on election night where all these media interests are gathering, as well as foreign governments, the information about American elections on the cloud. Now, it should be of great consequence to us that the unofficial results are on the cloud because Amazon World Services had servers around the globe. And you can hack the cloud and manipulate the unofficial results. And that is a severe concern, but we haven't seen the proof. We were not hacked from without, that I have seen. We were hacked from within. So Mr. Bush's arguments applied to irrelevancies. Our investigation is not about the Chinese president putting an algorithm into every precinct and every machine. The Chinese president sits on a toilet older than the United States. They don't have the need to interfere that way. They have patience as they see our nation crumble from within. 
We were hacked from within with the knowing collaboration of leftist election officials and leftist nonprofits. The primary problem in the 2020 election was that election policy was determined and implemented by private interests rather than pursuant to state laws and procedures. In the urban core of swing states, America was kicked out of the counting room and billionaires invited in. Billionaires paid the election judges. Billionaires dictated the policies. Billionaires paid the officials who blocked the windows from Republicans and entering in the Cobalt Center in Wayne County. It was billionaires that required Philadelphia to have 800 polling places because Philadelphia goes 85 15 for Democrats in every election. 800 polling places, ballot harvesters against the law, and deputizing leftist groups to harvest ballots and create ballots. It was Zucker boxes. I'll give you but one example. The drop boxes. Zuckerberg paid for them. Over $350 million to one group called CTCL that then turned around and gave that money to government and dictated government policy. That money went to Democrat strongholds in Pennsylvania, Delaware County, just south of Philadelphia, strong Democrat area. There was one Zuckerbox for every four square miles. That's two miles by two miles square. You could walk down the block and vote. Plus, there were ballot harvesters and 800 polling places. In the 59 counties that Trump won in 2016, there was one Zucker box for every 1,159 square miles. One box for every 70,000 voters compared to one box for every 5,000 voters in the urban core. Not only that, the governor of Pennsylvania who we received a judgment against striking down his emergency orders as unconstitutional, closed in-person polling places naming COVID as the concern. And all of you know Republicans prefer to vote on election day in person. So in Philadelphia and Delaware County, it was almost impossible not to vote, and many people voted without even knowing it. And I'll get to that in a few minutes. But in Republican strongholds, you had to go on a Where's Waldo weekend vacation to find a drop box. That's government putting its thumb on the scale. That's the umpire being paid to call the game one way. That is a two-tiered election system that targets one demographic of people to turn out the vote and another demographic of people to suppress the vote. It is not a new tactic. It is the tactic of the Democratic Party of the Deep South at the turn of the 20th century. It's just the demographics are different. At the turn of the 20th century, they targeted the black vote to suppress the vote and the white vote to turn it out. This election, they targeted Democrat strongholds to turn out the vote and Republican strongholds to suppress the vote, all the while using COVID fear and private monies. Green Bay, Wisconsin, actually five cities in Wisconsin, received Zuckerberg dollars. Those five cities had $47 a voter to turn out the vote. 
The rest of the areas in Wisconsin, $4 a voter to run the election. We go to Michigan, Genesee County, Flint, Michigan. Genesee County was carried by Trump by a narrow margin in 2016. In Michigan, the county official is the election official. So where did Zuckerberg put his money? Into a county that Trump won? Where the election official has the responsibility of running the election? No. He put his money in Flint, where there is no elected, elected official. But there's the mayor. And all of that money went to Flint, Michigan, which Hillary Clinton won overwhelmingly to turn out the vote. Government offices, which are by law to be objective and follow rules and procedures, were turned into partisan campaign turn-out-the-vote centers for the Biden campaign. And if this is not stopped, you will have elections brought to you by Coca-Cola, by the Koch brothers, by the NRA, by every other group that believes they can manage an election to the benefit of their issues. This is not how American government should operate. The corruption of money in this election was not the money in the campaigns. It was the over $1 billion of monies and services provided by a conglomeration of over 20 nonprofits who managed the election in the swing states. I'm going to take a moment and comment on evidence versus proof. I've coordinated many investigations of criminal enterprises. And, and I'm sorry, you don't start an investigation by demanding the proof that a crime occurred. You start an investigation with questions. And the American people have a right to ask questions about how the election was run. And election officials must be accountable to those questions. I'm sorry, when, if I were investigating you for, for tax manipulation and I arrived at your house on a hot summer afternoon and it was 110 degrees outside and you had all the drapes drawn and you had the doors closed and you refused to open the door and I see smoke coming from the chimney, it means you're probably burning the documents. That's called evidence. When election officials refuse to cooperate with reasonable demands for information about how they manage the election, and when they work to erase information and breach the chain of custody of ballots, and co-mingle jump drives which allow you to audit machines, all of which we have evidence of, all of which we have affidavits of, that is concerning because you don't violate the law without a reason. In Wisconsin, let me take you into what happened with CTCL and George Soros. By the way, in 2017, John Podesta met with um, Mark Zuckerberg. And they met because Zuckerberg was wanting to know how to spend his great wealth in a worthy cause. And soon after, Zuckerberg and his chief of staff emailed John Podesta and said, we want your guidance as to what people we can work with and where to put this money. And Zuckerberg announced the 
Zuckerberg Chan Initiative. Billions of dollars. And soon after, I hired David Plouffe, Obama's campaign manager. David Plouffe, in a book published in March of 2020, The Citizen's Guide to Defeating Donald Trump, said that the 2020 election will come down to a block-by-block street fight in the urban core to turn out the vote in Philadelphia, in Milwaukee, in Detroit. Guess where Zuckerberg and CTCL put his money? CTCL was running along with about a $1.2 million annual budget. I'm at 30 minutes, 20 minutes. 20 minutes left or 20 minutes in? 20 minutes left, okay. Thank you, my wife. She's the disciplinarian. So, Zuckerberg's money goes to CTCL. In May of 2020, they start reaching out to Democrat strongholds. They send people into Wisconsin. They send people into Pennsylvania recruiting mayors to ask them to ask them for grants. They write a a letter to the mayor of Racine, Wisconsin. Now, they're running about 1.2 million. So they know money's coming. And they say, look, Mayor of Racine, he's a rabid leftist. They said, look, we're going to give you $100,000. You go out and recruit these four cities because these four cities are key for a Biden victory. You recruit Racine. You recruit Madison. You recruit Milwaukee. You recruit Kenosha. And we want you to pull them together, come up with your own elections plan, and then you ask us for money. And they did. And that election plan, by the way, was a violation of federal law and the Help America Vote Act, which means that all voters need to be treated equally. And it was a violation of state law, which gives them specific parameters on how to manage the election. And then CTCL poured in money, so much money that in Wisconsin, they hired voter navigators in the urban core. What the heck does that mean? Well, let me tell you what that means. It means government officials going to the home of those who are likely to vote Democrat and helping them complete their ballot. They use sophisticated targeting methods. They use the tools that a campaign would normally use to turn out the vote. But this is government doing it in select areas with private money in violation of state law. That's why we saw the turnout that we saw in some areas. They also eviscerated protections for voter identity. In Wisconsin, they have a law which says that absentee voters must show a copy of their driver's license and copy it before they send, as they send in their ballot. But you don't have to do that if you're indefinitely confined. And unilaterally, those governments in those key cities decided that because of COVID, everybody was indefinitely confined and no one had to present an ID for absentee ballots. In Fulton County, Georgia, the money was used to hire officials to run the election of a group called Happy Faces. Happy Faces has ties to Stacey Abrams. They were given instructions. Some of you will be Republicans for the day because the law requires that we have a Republican as part of the counting process. And so those employees, according to an audit done by the Secretary of State of Georgia, who is now seeking to remove Fulton County elections from running their elections because of the flaws and illegalities, 
They were told, just declare yourself Republican and we will consider you as one. All states have laws that require both parties to be in the counting room. In fact, the United States Agency for International Development, this is the agency that monitors foreign elections, says that elections must be inclusive, meaning both parties or all parties are present to watch the count, transparent and accountable. And we had the least transparent, inclusive and accountable election in U.S. history. I'm not sure if many of you know what happened in Wayne County. In Wayne County, your Secretary of State had sent out military ballots on the wrong paper. So when those ballots came back to cast the vote, they would put them in the machine and they would crumple up so the machine could not read them. Now what the law requires is that a Republican and a Democrat sit down at a table and look at that crumpled ballot and then fill out a new one that reflects the intent of the voter who is overseas in our military. So they say, I believe that that was a Biden vote and put down the Biden vote. That, I believe that was for this senator and they put it down and then they cast the new ballot they completed and count it. You can see why it's prophylactic, why you would have both parties there to ensure that that process was fair. So what happened in Wayne County? Claiming COVID fear, they consolidated the counting center in one room the size of two football fields. They created a crowd in the name of COVID. And they had 134 counting tables. And they had one Republican in the cheap seats where they couldn't see what was happening. And in court argued we have complied with the law because the Republican was in the place of the counting. To which I respond, Michigan is a place. The planet Earth is a place. There are times when you have to consider the purpose of the law and not the literal reading of the law and the purpose was for fairness and transparency and Republicans were removed. That happened everywhere Zuckerberg money touched for the first time in U.S. history. Wayne County claims that they couldn't find Republicans to serve. I know better. We signed up Republicans who wrote letters to volunteer and did not get a response. President Trump received 254,000 votes in Wayne County. They certainly could have found Republicans to be at the table. Folks, there are certain measures of law that are prophylactic and prevent election fraud, and those areas of law were not followed. Now I'm gonna drill down real quick and then I'll respond to some questions and tell you a story about Wisconsin. And we're engaged in investigation, not audits. Audits validate fraud. They are narrowly drawn. They don't incorporate taking witness testimony, putting people under oath, and uh, obtaining real evidence of what has happened. And we're trying to do that in several states. And that's what's needed, by the way. In Wisconsin, in Green Bay, the election clerk was a woman by the name of Chris Teske. I have the emails. I would show them to you, but I'll summarize. Her mayor created his own election group to run the election. 
It involved outside groups from Illinois who he didn't know, including a gentleman by the name of Michael Spitzer Rubenstein of the National Voted Home Institute, which is one of these leftist nonprofits managing our elections. She starts complaining early on, my people are being pushed out, no one's listening to me, I'm not part of the meetings, I can't tell whether these people are going to comply with the law, I don't know what their plans are. Two days before the election, they force her to take a leave of absence. The hotel contract of the counting center is signed by Michael Spitzer Rubenstein. Not only that, the instructions of the hotel for the counting center in Green Bay are no one gets in and out unless approved by Michael Spitzer Rubenstein. All keys to the counting room are to be delivered to Michael Spitzer Rubenstein. Michael Spitzer Rubenstein is not accountable to you. He's not accountable to the people of Wisconsin. He cannot be defeated for public office. He can't be foiled. You can't do an open records request. You can't ask him how he ran the election because he won't answer. But he and his private interests managed the election in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And it happened elsewhere as well. And it will happen again. Unless we insist that those who have the responsibility of managing our election process answer the legitimate questions that we have about how they conducted the most lawless election in United States history. Thank you for the honor of speaking with you today.